When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Dennis Foley. Now, here's Jack Riccardi. All right, Dennis, thank you. Good afternoon. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. We made it to Friday. I don't know what that means, but if it means something to you, I'm happy for you. Uh, So, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida signed that bill today. It passed both houses of the Florida legislature, and it was the special self-governing status that Disney had been given back in the 60s uh, when they were buying up the land that would become Walt Disney World and what we now call Disney World. By the way, in the 1960s, Florida had its first Republican governor since the Civil War. He was, he was named Claude Kirk. He was a Marine. He had fought in World War II and the Korean War. He was quite an impressive character, actually. Um, and he was part of that go-go, you know, develop land development, let's go, grow Florida. Florida's attracting all this business from all over the rest of the country. This is when Florida was really taking off. And they did this deal. And they did a lot of them, in fact. This bill that DeSantis signed ends several of these districts, but the Disney one is the biggest one and the best, the best known one. Um, so he's ending this um, relationship that they've had for over 50 uh, years. And um, at the time, Disney was saying, well, well, we'll come and do this park, but this land is completely unimproved. There are no roads, there's no drainage, there's no sewage, there's nothing. So if you'll give us our own sort of, it was almost like a tribal nation kind of government. That's what people have compared it to in the legal sense, the the Native American tribal territories that have their self-governance in in places in the southwest and the west so they got that they made the improvements and some people now say that desantis who did this in response to disney lobbying against speaking out against the parental rights bill some people are saying well that's very petty why is he doing this this is like uh you know tit for tat if we're still allowed to say that But it's interesting to me, the same day that this is happening, we've got a quote from Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers. You remember she was shooting her mouth off a lot during the debate over reopening schools. And she was doing an interview, I forget who she was with, but she was doing an interview where she said that these parental right bills, like the one in Florida, are the ways that wars start. So she says... You've been lied to, you've been propagandized, you've been misinformed. This is the way in which wars start. Well, Randy, I think the war already started. Uh, people like you started it. So you can criticize Ron DeSantis's tactics, but Ron DeSantis is responding to a war the left began on families, on parents. 
And we know it's a war because it's a scorched earth policy. When parents speak up, they're not engaged and debated. They're told to shut up and sit down. Or they're doxxed. Or they're threatened with the label domestic terrorist. In other words, you're not the opposition to people like Randy Weingarten. You're the enemy. You're the enemy on a battlefield. So her analogy that it's a war is right. She's only wrong in suggesting that you and I are the ones starting it, or Ron DeSantis is the one starting it. You started it, Randy Weingarten, and people like you. And I don't know why you would do this, but you've picked a war, you've picked a fight with parents, not with conservatives or people that watch Fox News or Republicans. You've picked a war with mothers and fathers across the spectrum, across races and cultures and economic statuses, whether they send their kids to private or public, whether they live in wealthy counties in Virginia or impoverished counties in West Virginia, they feel the same way about their kids. That's, that's the thing you've, you've failed to, to take into account. There, is, there are way more of us than there are of them. They've started it. We'll answer it. What do you think about all this? 210 599 5555. It's so funny that for years, teachers' unions encouraged parental involvement in education. They were trying to get parents to come to meetings and back to school night and join the PTA. They were for all that. But that was for you to rubber stamp what they were doing, that was for you to buy the cupcakes in the bake sale. Now, you have an opinion about what they're teaching your kid or how they're teaching it or at what age they're teaching it, and, oh, my gosh, no, we don't need your help. No, we don't want your involvement. And that was pivotal in the Virginia governor's race, which looks like it might be a precursor of what's going to happen uh, this fall, meaning it won't just be the House and Senate races. It will be races all the way down the ballot. But, yeah, I, I to me, we're looking at something that's broader than any political battle i've ever seen i've I've seen i've seen property tax revolutions that involves people that own houses i've seen uh you know versions of the culture war that were about specific things like video games or rock lyrics but when you talk about parents and kids and caring about what happens to your kid i don't think that's i think she's picked a fight across a, a much bigger battlefield than she ever imagined or that they understand but tell me what you think. Uh, Joe Biden was on the road this week. The president is trying to stir up uh, Democrats for the midterms. The message is we're really doing great. Things are great. You don't realize it, but things are great. One of the visits he made was to Portland, where he was talking about the uh, jobs numbers and how we're going to have more energy independence with green energy because no one can take away our wind or our solar. It's immune, it's, it's, um, you know, it, it can't be, it's, it's, it, I guess immune wouldn't be the right word, but it's, um, you know, it's beyond the reach of the Vladimir Putins of the world was his message. But then he said this in Portland. He said, stop feeling sorry for yourselves. Get the hell up and take this country back. Stop feeling sorry for yourself, says the guy whose approval rating is in the low 30s. In other words, you know, you need to start being grateful. 
for how well he's doing, how fortunate we are to have President Biden. Doesn't look good, though, for that argument. The Republicans are killing it in voter registration around the country. Um, Interactive polls did a uh, survey of voter registration since November 2020. So between November 2020 and now. In Florida, the Republicans are outpacing the Democrats in new voter registration. So these are new voters and which party under which they register. 250,000 more Republicans in Florida. 120,000 more Republicans in Pennsylvania. 100,000 more Republicans in North Carolina. 50,000 more in Iowa. 56,000 more in Oklahoma. 24,000 more in Nevada and several other states. And in some states, the uh, pacing is two to one, Republicans over Democrats. And then there was a, um, this was very interesting, there was an interview with a California Democrat uh, named Gloria Romero. She's a state senator, uh, or a former state senator. And she went on Fox and Friends to complain about the wokeism in the Democratic Party. Gloria Romero is one of those Democrats who's trying to warn her party um, that uh, what they're doing, what they're, the, the, the brand they've singled out for themselves, the battles. Remember we talked yesterday about, is this really the hill they want to die on? This is, this is what she said, cut number three. As a Democrat, my message is of extreme disappointment. I represented one of the most Democratic Latino districts in California, East L.A. And whether we are Cuban-American in Florida or Mexican-American in South Texas, Nevada, or here in California, we are sending a very powerful message to the Democratic Party that enough is enough. Ya basta. We have choices. And we are looking beyond the Democratic Party that no, no longer represents the values that we we held as a, a party of JFK, a party even of President Obama when he was more aspirational when he first ran. Today's party is complete wokeism run amok. That's a Democrat in California saying that, Gloria Romero. Now, um, part of this is the, the mirror that the political parties hold up to their voters. Both parties do it. Both parties try to tell you, here's who you are. Here's what you care about, and here's what we'll do about it. And the success of a party is usually in proportion to how accurately they carry that out. So holding up the mirror, here's who you are, here's what you care about, here's what we will do about that. And if you have been paying attention, the, the Democratic Party's version of black and Hispanic Americans is that they're victims, they're hopeless they're in systemic racism. Racism defines every interaction in their lives. Everything that happens to them, everything they do or don't do, is because of racism and bigotry and hatred and anti-immigration philosophy. And because it's inescapable, it's in and on everything. Like that pollen dust, when we have that pollen dust, it gets in and on everything. Racism's on everything in their worldview. Well, the Pew Research Center took a survey and they went to African American voters with an open-ended question. They asked them, what's the most important issue to your community? And racism wasn't even in the top five. 
Their answers were the answers most people would give. Violence, crime, the economy, housing, uh, in, inflation. When asked who should handle these things, overwhelmingly they said we need to handle it in our communities. We need to handle it locally, local leaders. But the Democratic Party has ignored that. They are in a position to know it if the Pew Research Center knows it. Believe me, they could know it. But they've ignored it, and they've decided to set up a different reality. And in their reality, everything is a crusade against systemic racism. Just like we were talking earlier this week about how everything is a, is a crusade against, um, you know, basically the two-gender ideology. So they've set up a reality. And if they're wrong, the voters are going to correct in a massive way in November. What do you think? We're going to talk about that. There is a uh, Texas National Guard soldier who went missing today um, near Eagle Pass trying to rescue people from the river. And um, it put me in mind yesterday we talked about Mayor Ron Nirenberg's letter that he has uh, co-signed along with some other uh, Democratic mayors around the country uh, begging the Department of Homeland Security to not end Title 42 exclusions at the border. And now we may have a dead Texas National Guardsman. You know, the, there's nothing we can do about the, the the poverty and the desperation in our hemisphere. I shouldn't say there's nothing we can do, but there's there's little we can do. There's everything we can do to not have a permissive, inviting, wrong-headed message at our border. The Ron Nirenbergs of this world shouldn't be writing letters to other people. They should be looking into their own hearts and asking themselves, when, when they find dead bodies in the desert, when they find women and children sold into sexual slavery, when a National Guardsman will never come home to his family again, this is your policy. This is your thinking. This is your crisis. No one else's, no other countries. It's not up to other countries to keep this from happening. This is on you guys. One of the big stories today is this uh, Kevin McCarthy tape. Kevin McCarthy is the House Minority Leader. He would be the Speaker of the House in January if the Republicans win control of the House. And there's a new book out um, written by two New York Times reporters about the events around uh, surrounding January 6, 2021. And McCarthy in the book is quoted as being on a conference call with the other Republican leaders telling them he will call President Trump and tell him to resign because of his fomenting of the January 6th insurrection. When that came out, McCarthy said that's not true. He extensively tweeted about how it was fake news, the New York Times was attacking him, or these New York Times writers, I should say, were attacking him. So they released the tape that somebody gave them. So it has to be somebody, or it would seem to be somebody on the call. He's on a call with Liz Cheney and Steve Scalise and other Republican leaders I want to play it for you, and then we're going to talk about what this should mean, if anything. Um, but this is the conversation they're having and the 
evening of January 6, 2021. Kevin McCarthy and other Republican leaders. Take a listen. Liz, you on the phone? Yeah, I'm here. Thanks, Kevin. Um, I guess there's a question. When when we were talking about the 25th Amendment resolution, um, yeah. and you asked if, if, you know, what happens if it gets there after he's gone, is, is there any chance, are you hearing that he might resign? Is there any reason to think that might happen? I've had a few discussions. My gut tells me no. Um, I'm seriously thinking of having that conversation with him tonight. I haven't talked to him in a couple days. Um, from what I know of him, I mean, you guys all know him too. Do you think he'd ever back away? But what what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to call him. My this, this is what I think. Um, no, it'll pass the House. I think there's a chance it'll pass the Senate even when he's gone. Um, and I think there's a lot of different ramifications for that. Now, I haven't had a discussion with the Dems that if he did design, would it not happen? Now, this is one personal fear I have. Um, I do not want to get into any conversations about Pence pardoning anything like that. I mean, the only discussion I would have with him is that I think this will pass, and it would be my recommendation we should resign. Um, I mean, that would be my take, but I don't think he would take it, but I don't know. And there's more, but I mean, that's the gist of it. I, you know, the big story today is he lied. We have him. We caught him in a lie. I'm not even, that, that isn't even on my, in my top three because politicians lie. That's like saying, you know, water is wet. Here's what I think is interesting. Liz Cheney came right out and told us, I don't like Trump. I'm not for him. I don't think he should be the leader of the party. And a lot of people are angry at her. And she lost her House leadership position in the caucus because of that. And she probably is going to lose her seat in Congress from Wyoming because of that. I have more respect for her because she tells you what she thinks. I don't agree with her. I don't think Donald Trump fomented an insurrection. I don't think that was a revolution, an overthrow of the government. I think Trump ran his mouth and said some things that were reckless and incorrect. I do think he misled his voters or a lot of people who listened to him about what could be done. He seems to literally misunderstand what was available to him after that election. Pence set him straight afterwards and said, no, I couldn't have done this, and there was no way to do that. But my point is, I want people that just... You know, whatever they are, they're, they're, they're for Trump, they're against Trump, just own it. McCarthy is the worst kind of politician because he tells you what you want to hear when he's talking to you, and then when he thinks he's just talking to his cronies, he's all hemming and hawing, and I don't know what to do, and you know how he is. And, and, and you hear the, the angst in his voice. He doesn't even sound like a guy that wants the job he has, much less the job of being the leader of the opposition. So hell no. If voters turn out and give the Republicans a majority, and that's an if, we don't know that's going to happen, it seems likely. Hell no. People are not voting for that. They don't want that guy to be the recipient of all that voter turnout, of all that red wave. I mean, do you? I, I've never been a fan of Kevin McCarthy. He looks 
to me, he has that um, television anchor man in a small market look to him. You know, he just uh, he's he's just not trustworthy looking. This confirms that sometimes appearances are not deceiving. Sometimes you can judge a book by its cover. And the Republican Party is riddled with people who are reading from the pro-Trump script or the let's talk tough and we're going to be tough and we're going to fight and we're going to take the fight and we're going to... And they're not. And I'm not saying this has to be about how you feel about Trump, but if you're going to fight for anything, if you're going to fight for principles, if you're going to fight for an idea, you've got to be stronger than this. You've got to be more certain than this. Because that moment of January 6th, that, that fog of war moment, there's going to be many, many more of those. We don't, we don't need people that are confused. I don't know what to do. You know how he is. I mean, it's, it's pathetic. So, in a weird way, I'm glad this came out. I, I mean, there are good questions about which, you know, which Republican or who on the call, or maybe it wasn't a Republican. I don't know. Maybe it was some tech guy, but somebody recorded it, leaked it to these two authors. Um, and, uh, and they are, of course, only too happy to put it out there and say, look, what we printed in the book is what he said, and here's him saying it. Oh, what do you think about that? 210-599-5555. You're, you're getting ready for a red wave election. But if you do it, he's the Speaker of the House. Are you good with that? With what you now know? Yeah, I, I'm not a Kevin McCarthy fan. I guess i got to admit that, that for me this is like... This didn't change anything for me. I, I don't. I don't like him. I don't trust him. I don't think that he is cut of the right cloth to lead the fight that will be necessitated if there is a red wave election. Just think about what will be happening in this country in the hours and days after election day this year. If it goes the way people think it will, you could have riots. You could have demonstrations. You will certainly have accusations of. Russian collusion, foreign involvement, cheating, manipulation. You'll have all this uh, fear and loathing of Trump talk. He's coming back. You know, all of this stuff will require people who are level-headed leaders, under-fire types. I think Steve Scalise is that kind of guy. I don't think Kevin McCarthy is even remotely that kind of guy. He is where he is because he paid his dues, he kissed ass, he waited his turn, which is how most people in both parties get to leadership positions. They wait their turn and they kiss ass and they hold the coats of the people who came before them. That's a term they used to use. There was a guy that wrote for the Boston Herald and he coined that term. I thought it was a great term for politicians that sort of, you know, hang around paying their dues. He called them coat holders. They hold it, they hold the big guy's coat and then one day they get their turn and then somebody holds their coat. And that's what he is. He's a coat holder. 210-599-5555. Um, I don't have any problem with his opinion that Trump should resign. It's an opinion. I don't have any problem with his, you know, if he just didn't care for Trump or didn't like working with him, whatever. That is not a problem for me. I know a lot of people, and I know a lot of people with good good heads on their shoulders, but Trump is not their cup of tea. I get that. But don't don't pretend, you know. And you know McCarthy, he pretended all over the place, right? He was rah, rah, rah. He had the MAGA hat on. He was all over, you know, just a total phony. If you can't trust him on that, why would you trust him on anything else?
And and so this to me is not about January 6th. This is about January of 2023 and where we're going to be going as a country. Because if what I think is going to happen happens, it, it refers to what we were talking about earlier with that mirror. And the Democrats are going to find out that the people they think they represent, they don't. And they're not going to take that well. It's not going to go well, and it's going to be it's going to it's going to be some tough sledding. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is the stuff you're hoping happens, and I am too, is going to necessitate some very rough sledding. And you're ready for it. You're girding your loins for it. I'm ready for it. It's going to take leaders that are ready for it. I don't think he's one of them. And why would you lie about this conversation if there was any possibility of it having been recorded? Which there is. I mean, what? How, how do secrets get kept in Washington? They don't, right? So granted, at the time, you might be thinking, hey, this is just us on this call, but, but if these guys write the book and they quote you and you know that's what you said, there's a pretty good chance they've got it on tape. Digitally, of course. And he, as recently as yesterday, was still proclaiming, oh, no, I didn't say that at all. I didn't, I didn't say Trump should resign. I didn't say I would go to Trump and recommend that he resign. And there was a bunch of other stuff that they also said, and he put out a, a pretty detailed statement uh, negating things that we now have him in his own voice saying so that raises a lot of questions about him and again i don't i'm not that interested in the past i'm very interested in the future 210-599-5555 should he be the speaker of the house if republicans win the house that to me would be a slap across the face to the voters that would be like saying yeah we heard you and we don't care this is the this is the next man up 210-599-5555. 210-599-5555. And then Fauci has been found. They found Dr. Fauci. I thought we were going to have to put him on milk cartons or get the America's Unsolved Mysteries on the case. So he was on uh, CNN. I think he might have even been on CNN+. And um, he said something very interesting in response to Judge Mazel's ruling against the transit mask mandate. He's surprised and disappointed by it, of course. But then he said, these types of things really are the purview of CDC. This should not be a court issue. In other words, he's saying not only is he science, he's law, too. He is science and he is law. And the CDC should not exist within the law, but outside the law. Not within the Constitution, but outside the Constitution. These powers cannot be hindered by another branch of government. Maybe he's saying that the CDC should be the fourth branch of government. Now, he either does not understand the American system, which is unlikely worked in it for half of his life. Or he is really telling us 
in a way that very few other people like him will honestly tell you, that they want power unchecked by law. Well, unchecked, period. (laughs) Unchecked by law, unchecked by anything. The CDC's order should be outside the law, says Tony Fauci. Now, a lot of people have conflated the ruling the judge issued with some sort of finding about masks. If he wanted to say, hey, I still believe in masks, or here's some data to support masks, that would be one thing. But he didn't. He said the courts shouldn't have any power over public health edicts at all. We're concerned about courts getting involved, he said. Isn't it funny how the left will run to the courts and get them involved any old time, but when a ruling goes against them, all of a sudden it's down with the courts and we shouldn't have them and they shouldn't be involved and having women judges is a bad idea and having young judges is a bad idea. I mean, as if they have never been for any of those things before. And there is, it is possible for public health people at the federal or state level or local level, you know, it's possible that they have an impulse that's coming from a good place, but they just don't have the power to make it a rule or make it an edict. Does that make sense? You can have a good idea, but you don't have the power to impose it. You can urge it. You can exhort people to do it. By the way, they skipped over that step. Did you notice that? Early in the pandemic, they could have exhorted mask wearing, just like they could have exhorted getting vaccinated. But instead, they went right for the, you know, heavy mailed fist of power because it's way more thrilling and exciting. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it isn't that science sometimes gets it wrong or that Viruses are a learning process. If it's taught us anything, it's that there are people in government who don't recognize and and will not recognize the limits of their powers or the importance of the rule of law. And this isn't the first time that Tony Fauci has said stuff like this. He's previously been critical of federalism, the idea of state officials setting their own rules, regardless of what the federal government might say. So an enemy of federalism believes that the federal government should reign supreme. But he's taking it a a step further. The CDC should reign supreme. It should not be checked or questioned by a court. That's another way of saying we can do anything we think we need to do. Now, you might, you might like him. You might trust him. I know a lot of people don't anymore, but maybe you do. But I, I would challenge you, even if you think he's a good guy, are, are you really ready to give anyone unchecked power? And if you are, what does that say about you? How, how, how little respect you have for yourself and how much ignorance you have for our system? Or of our system. I, I'll tell you what. I, I'm not. I, I'm. I'm all about a red wave, and let's let's have a a, a bottom up revolution 
in the midterms, but I'm not, I don't want to see this guy taking a victory lap. I don't want to see this guy as the Speaker of the House. I, I know how eager we, we all are to send Nancy back to her ice cream freezer, but you know what? Not, not with this guy. Not, not like this. And, um, you will get, you, you will, you'll be setting yourself up for two years of, of repeated disappointments with McCarthy. He's, he's not the guy. All these good candidates, all this voter enthusiasm, all of these parents coming to school board meetings, I mean, he should not be the, the winner of all that. And yet he will be. As things stand right now. 210-599-5555. All right. So we have that. We have uh, Fauci saying, um, I am science and law. <laughs> you know, um, let's say that we took their point of view. This is what Jen Psaki was saying last week. She said, um, public health decisions shouldn't be made by the courts. They should be made by public health experts. What if we took that reasoning and we said the, the Pentagon budget shouldn't be put together by presidents and congressional critters. It should be put together by, you know, General Dynamics and Raytheon and Boeing and GE, right? I mean, they're the experts. The people that make the planes and the weaponry and the uh, technology... They should determine what we do with our defense budget and our military. We shouldn't have anybody else checking them or horning in on them. That's her reasoning. Now, of course, the, they'd never be okay with that. Right? Well, that would be, that would be awful. Our, our defense budget would be out of control. Well, but that's what you're saying. You're saying that if somebody has expertise, expertise is bigger or more important than law, than enumerated rights, which is a stupid thing to say. I'm sorry you're not getting your way. I'm sorry you, you haven't gotten everything you wanted out of this crisis. I'm sorry your, your, your time in the sun is coming to an end, but what a dumb thing to say. Let the experts make all the decisions. We don't need elected officials or, or appointed and, and approved judges, meaning the other branches, having any say. Now, if the CDC was right and confident that they were right, they could have gone to Congress. They could have asked the states and, the, and asked the Congress to explicitly grant the power to mandate masks. It's been two years. They've had time to do that. But there was never an attempt to do that. There was never an attempt to get permission. There was simply an announcement that they already had the power. They had invented it. They'd imagined it. Or they hoped you wouldn't check to see if they had it. So I'm not even talking about the effectiveness of the mask mandate, which was nil. I'm not talking about uh, masks themselves. I'm just talking about this idea that Fauci and Saki and others are putting forward that you, if you're a health expert, we just should, we all should just obey you. You agree with that? 210-599-5555. And again, it's telling that they didn't have enough, as sure as they seem to be, they didn't have enough confidence to go to Congress or go to the, 
the state legislatures on any of this. Esteban is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Esteban, good afternoon. I am blown away by the irony of everybody who called Trump a fascist, and Fauci says basically a statement that a fascist would make. Where only because he has the power that all checks and balances, all things that protect individual rights, don't apply because he knows all. And I point, I got to a discussion with a classmate. I pointed out that back World War II was going on, all these experts with the NACA were ignoring something that had the United States paid attention to it, we would not have needed to basically have this theory confirmed by Operation Lusty. And the guy who proposed the theory was, he didn't have the degrees, but he had the scientific basis, and they wouldn't even debate him on the science. Mm. And so that's why you have checks on power. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because had had he been listened to, we would have seen airplanes go 200 knots several years before the, before they actually did, yep. fa- 200 knots faster. Well, I mean, you can and, go back even further than World War II. You can go back to the founding of our country. That The founders didn't want somebody to have all the, they didn't want all the power in one person or one faction. Because in, in those days, a king was thought to be an expert in everything. He was divinely inspired. So it would have been a king who said everybody needs to wear a mask. You can't question me. You can't debate that. And and that's what Fauci's proposing that, that the CDC should be. It should be a monarch. You know, I just find it ironic that that's, that's Fauci was... Fauci said a statement that a fascist would say. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right about that. Esteban, thank you. Appreciate the call. Uh, so everybody was talking this week. We all had a good laugh about CNN Plus, the streaming service for CNN that's being drawn down on April 30th. Because there were more people working there than subscribing to it. And um, people started posting, I noticed last night, things that have lasted longer than CNN+. Plus. <laughs> so, for example, all right, things that, things that lasted longer than CNN+, Plus, Kim Kardashian's marriage to Chris Humphreys lasted twice as long. CNN Plus will have been in existence for 32 days when it ends on April 30th. She was married for 70 days. Tom Brady's retirement. He was retired for 40 days before he announced he's coming back. Bill Clinton's impeachment trial (laughs) lasted 36 days. That lasted longer than CNN Plus. I mean, I've had milk that lasted longer than CNN Plus. The Falklands War, remember Britain and Argentina, 74 days. Um, The flood, you know, Noah and the ark, the animals, 40 days. New Coke lasted 79 days. Remember in 1985, I think it was, they introduced New Coke. It was such a disaster, they brought back Coke Classic. After just 79 days. What are some other things you can name that lasted longer than CNN Plus? 210-599-5555. Something that lasted longer than CNN Plus.
on their to their defense, um, they lasted longer than 15 days to flatten the curve. Remember that? 15 days, people. 15 days to flatten the curve. They doubled that. Their curve's pretty flat. What are some things that lasted longer than CNN Plus? Phone lines open, 210-599-5555. William Henry Harrison's presidency, somebody said. Yep, that's right. I think that was like 40 days or something. 30 days, 40 days. Shortest serving president we ever had. He caught cold uh, during his inauguration speech, never recovered. Um, some people have been uh, sharing the lifespan of different insects. I I'll take your word for it. I don't know. Like, I don't know how long house flies or dragonflies live, but apparently they live longer than 32 days, according to our listeners. Um, but yeah, I mean, even, even like short military operations, like the war in Grenada, I think lasted longer than that, you know? 210 599 5555. Things that lasted longer than CNN Plus. I think my favorite one might be Tom Brady's retirement. <laughs> Even that lasted longer. Um, I wanted to play this for you because it's so, it, it, it happened this week and it's just so weird. Kamala Harris, the vice president, did not have a good week. She never has a good week. She hasn't had a good vice presidency. But they had her go to um, the United States Space Force at the beginning of this week. She received a briefing on Space Force operations, which sounds like a very, very Veep moment, doesn't it? Like, that that's exactly what, that kind of thing is exactly why a lot of politicians do not want to be vice president. Go get the space briefing. So anyway, she went and got the space briefing, and they said, you got to give a speech. So she got the briefing, and she gave this speech, and she was in one of those moods, uh, this was at Vandenberg, where she, you ever notice she, she gets in this, like, I don't know, cadence where she's talking to kindergartners. And there's all these uniformed men and women, military men and women around her. That's the audience. And she's talking about space. Like she's explaining space to kindergartners. Take a listen to this, cut number one. I think everyone here recognizes how extraordinary space is. Whether it is satellites that orbit the Earth, humans that land on the moon, or telescopes that peer into the furthest reaches of the universe. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations, and it forces us to ask big questions. Space, it affects us all, mm. and it connects us all. Mm. There are so many opportunities in space yes. for our country and for all of humanity. Okay, so you get the science. idea. Space connects us all. Actually, when there's space between us, we're not connected. But I know what she's trying to say. And space is over us and around us. And the moon. <laughs> what is she doing? You know what I think? Because I, I don't subscribe to the theory that she's unintelligent. I, I think she is so fed up that she is like spitting out the words. And it comes across like she's talking down to people. 
And maybe she is, I don't know. But I really think what's going on is she just, she hates her life. She's FML, right? FML vice presidency. How did I get hooked up with this guy? How did I do, what was I thinking? You know, the whole thing. And she probably thought, this is my ticket. This is my stepping stone to the presidency. I mean, for crying out loud, if Joe Biden could do it, I can do it. But it's not working out. He's dragging her down. And um, I just think she hates what she has to do and where she has to go. And it's just, I, I'm, I'm wondering now if these tones she takes are, this is her subtle way of signaling, I'm really unhappy. <laughs> Space is all around us. Love is all around us. I thought she was going to sing the Mary Tyler Moore theme song. I'm dating myself. Have you seen the Mike Tyson video? You know about this? So Mike Tyson was on a commercial flight. Um, I think he was going to Florida. And um, he's on the plane. And people recognize him everywhere he goes, obviously. And some people ask to take pictures of him. He seems like a very friendly guy when he's out in the public, for the most part. But he um, he gets into his seat. And there's this guy sitting behind him, this young guy. And I think from having watched the video that this guy was trying to create a scenario where there would be a video and it would go viral and he would become famous. He would have his 15 minutes. So witnesses say this guy kept pestering and and kind of, uh, you know, needling Mike Tyson. I mean, if you do that, there is a very high probability that you will get punched in the face. And eventually, he did. Numerous times. And police had to come on the plane. And they're uh, investigating. And I, I don't know, did you see it? My, my read on it, and I'm just guessing, I wasn't there, is that this was a guy who wanted to become infamous and did. And he used Mike Tyson. Granted, you can say, well, Tyson didn't have to do that, and he should have restrained himself. Okay, I, I get you. I'm not, I'm okay with that. But the way this started and the reason this happened was because somebody saw a famous person and wanted their fame. And these days that happens. That works. You and I will never have to worry about that. But probably people like Mike Tyson do. I mean, they probably, they, they become like the green screen, right, that these wannabes, project against because otherwise why would you do it you know he's he's still big his hands are like the size of you know you know manhole covers you do, why would you do it and the guy got all bruised up and cut up his face looked like chopped you know beef but but everybody knows who he is now and that's what we want that's the most important thing not the brain damage i got from the beating but I'm fa- I, I got a lot of I got a lot of new followers. I'm drooling on myself, but I got a lot of not a, new, a lot of new followers. What are things that lasted longer than CNN Plus? CNN Plus, as we told you this week, uh, flopped immediately, and it's going to only have been in existence as a pay service, a streaming pay service for 32 days when it breathes its last on April 30th. So um, we were talking about things that lasted longer. Then CNN Plus, Tom Brady's retirement, the impeachment trial, 
of Bill Clinton, the Falklands War, Noah's Ark and the Flood. Brian says the TV series Cop Rock. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Um, Nella says Pope John Paul I. Yes, I remember that vividly. 1978, uh, the year of three popes. A pope was elected and only survived in office for 30, I think 32 days, 33 days. Pope John Paul I. Uh, Jacob says Jeffrey Epstein in jail. And I looked it up to make sure he was right, and he is. 35 days. Jeffrey Epstein made it three more days in jail than CNN Plus. What else lasted longer than CNN Plus? 210-599-5555. And then my theory on uh, the Mike Tyson airplane fight is that guy just wanted to be famous. And he's he got his fame by provoking Mike Tyson, which is, I really seems... I'd rather get punched around by Nancy Pelosi, you know, have those bony, rubbery fists bouncing off my cheekbones. But I guess it makes better video if it's Mike Tyson. Did you see Tyson going after him? He turns completely around in the seat, leans over the seat back. He gets like, you know, he gets in position. Like, you know, like, you know how you kind of position yourself at the kitchen counter? Like, okay, I'm going to slice this, you know, I'm going to slice this watermelon now, or I'm going to slice this tomato now. Let me get the leverage. Let me get the knife at the right angle. And he's just going, he's working on the guy's face. It's not even a fight. People are describing it as a fight. A fight would be, you know, punches are going in both directions. Mike Tyson is just tenderizing this dude's face. But I think he I think he wanted the uh the notoriety that only our social media age can give you. 210-599-5555. Today's Earth Day. I should have mentioned that sooner. Um <laughs> says here that um a bill passed by the California Assembly Transportation Committee seeks to curtail freeway building and freeway expansion. Now, this is a committee that's supposed to fund new roads in California, but instead they're announcing they're going to build fewer and expand fewer roads because freeways are racist and bad for the environment. AB 1778 seeks to address inequities through environmental justice because freeways are racist. Freeways, when they were being placed in the 1940s and 50s, often cut through low-income neighborhoods, read black and brown communities. That is true, by the way, and it's true in many places around the country, I'm sure not just California. Anytime the bigwigs want to build something, plan something. You know, the, they don't bulldoze suburbs. They don't bulldoze wealthy enclaves. They bulldoze poverty-stricken neighborhoods. They bulldoze poor people's neighborhoods. That's, that's a thing. I get it. That doesn't make the idea of a freeway racist. That makes the people who were planning those freeways what we what we obviously know they are. But now freeways, by definition, are racist. And not just California is saying that. Pete Buttigieg is saying that. And I'm telling you, they're gonna they're gonna talk out of both corners of their mouths. They're gonna tell you that they're trying to help you, and of course we want to move traffic and we want to help people get home to their families, but they don't. 
The more freeway congestion there is, the more driving becomes unworkable and un, un, work, you know, unrealistic, the more they're going to get what they really want, which is the control they have over you when you say, all right, all right, I give. Put me in a bus, put me in a light rail, put me in a train. And that's not happening fast enough under its own power, so squeezing people on the roads and waging a, a quiet war against private you know, car ownership it's the way to go. That 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 would explain the casual nature of these high gas prices. Oh yeah, we care. <laughs> really? Doesn't doesn't show. That would explain the um, push for electric cars. You, you just you know if you can just plunk down seventy or eighty thousand dollars. And now California is coming right out and saying, well, we're we're not going to build new freeways. We're not going to expand existing ones because that's racist. Stephen Hayward, the conservative writer, makes a great analogy. He says, California is like a trendy nightclub that could get away with a hefty cover charge because everyone wanted to go. You know, for the longest time, basically from the end of World War II to recently, California was, you know, California, here I come, right? And he said it's like one of those nightclubs where, yeah, they, the, the cover charge is ridiculous, the line is long, the bouncers are absurd but everybody wants in and so they got away with the cover charges of not enough roads and higher taxes and other liberal policies and crushing regulations other states couldn't have gotten away with that no one would have put up with it or or gone there moved there to put up with it but people took it for a long time from california but you know eventually that club becomes yesterday's news and there's some new place in town everybody goes and the old hot spot is suddenly vacant. And now California doesn't have that going on anymore. It's showing its age. It's not the it's not the hot spot anymore, right? And so people are moving, they're leaving. We know that they're coming here. We're the new club. And you wonder what'll happen. I mean, obviously there's a lot more people who could leave California. They haven't all left yet. Will there be a decision at some point to stay and fight? Will there be enough people to even do that? Believe it or not, even in the midst of all this misery, the California Democratic Party is still registering voters at a faster clip than the Republicans. I don't mean that they have more. Of course they do. But they're actually growing faster than the Republicans. So there's apparently not enough misery yet for people to say enough of this. But people are leaving. And um, as more people leave, the ones that stay have a more and more outsized tax burden. So maybe the next thing that happens is a is a tax revolt, which happened in California in the 70s. And maybe that's what's next. But yeah, the cover charge doesn't seem worth it anymore. Space is exciting. It spurs our imaginations. And it forces us to ask big questions. Space, it affects us all. <laughs> you, know, you know what her speeches remind me of? When you were, um, remember when you were taking like a blue book test and you had to write an essay answer and uh, you did, you really, you, your mind went blank or you hadn't studied or the question caught you off guard. So you just started writing because you were under dual pressure, right? You had a time constraint and you also had to, you know, generate 
X number of words. So you would just start writing. And you got good at um, sort of long, complex sentences that stated the obvious or that restated the obvious. And that's what her statements are like. Spaces. All around us, it connects us. It's space is exciting. Exciting. It's exciting. Look over there, there's some space. <laughs> Brad writes to Jack at KTSA.com. Maybe she should have Joe digging tunnels in the Rose Garden. I think I I, I you know, well Kamala seems like the kind of person you might if you were with you might you might have a tunnel to dig. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. Not saying, space. just saying. Earl writes to Jack at KTSA.com. It only took 15 days to slow the spread of CNN+. Plus. It's true. I was not going to watch... Well, I really wasn't planning to watch the NBA playoffs at all. I, I wasn't going to watch the first round of the playoffs. For whatever reason, last night, while I was sitting there reading and doing some other things, I had the, the, the uh, Memphis-Minnesota uh, game on. I really love John Morant, but I still really had not meant to watch that game. And I thought, well, I'll watch because Memphis is playing. Did you see that game? I feel sorry for you if you did not see that game. If you're a basketball fan at all, even if you're like, I'm over the NBA, but if you're a basketball fan at all, that was something else. At one point, the Timberwolves, I think, led by 28 points, something like that. And Memphis came back. In fact, they came back twice from deficits of 20 points or more. At one point, they outscored the T-Wolves 50 to 15. They had a 21 to nothing run at one point. And they won the game ultimately by nine points and they took a 2-1 lead in the series. It's the fourth largest comeback in NBA playoff history. And it's one of only 32 games in the entire history of the NBA in which a team dug out of that big a hole. And it was also the biggest comeback in the history of the Grizzlies franchise, which is not a very long history, but um, it's pretty incredible. It was, um, it was gritty. You could have, you could have turned that game on not feeling any connection to either team. Like, I don't care what happens. And then when, I, I don't know how you are, but for me, um, and they're not even the underdog. I mean, Memphis is, I think, the number two seed, so they're really the, they're really the favorite, but they, they didn't look like the favorite in the, in the first two games of this series, which were split. Now, I, I don't see any way, you, there's no way for Minnesota to come back from that. That was, that was crushing. That was like spine breaking. That was like Mike Tyson is working on your face, devastating. And I don't think they can, because they didn't just lose, they they were they were humiliated, and uh, it makes you it, it gets you into a game. I I couldn't turn it off. I tried to watch the game after it, which I think was Golden State and Denver. And I was just not even, it was just not interesting. You know, that was a good game. Um, it says here that we're sending ghost drones to Ukraine. Have you heard this? We're sending, uh, as part of this plussed-up military package the president announced yesterday, 120 ghost tactical drones, a new, newly developed drone um, that uh, 
was under development before the Russian invasion, but seems very well suited to the needs of the Ukrainians right now, according to the Pentagon. So they have something on the shelf that they think is especially useful or matches up with what the Ukrainians need. The ghost drones uh, can be used for both attack and surveillance. And I had a weird thought, and I know it's probably just stupid, but I thought it was kind of funny that they were calling them ghost drones right after we had all these politicians going on and on about ghost guns. Remember that? That was the big that was the big thing like a week or two ago, right? We're coming after the ghost gun. No more ghost guns. But ghost drones, okay. It's all just it's all just like words with these people, you know? What about ghost peppers? Are they okay? Are we all right with ghost peppers? I don't know. I'll check. I'll get back to you on that. Um today's Earth Day. Tomorrow is National Record Store Day. And I think that's quaint and nice. Somebody that has a record collection and remembers record stores. And um if there is a if there if there is a record store in your life, I guess it'd be a good day to go. Uh but I noticed that they're doing a thing called Vinyl Thon twenty twenty two. And um it's a bunch of radio stations all over the country. Most of them are college radio stations. I think it's about 200 of them around the country, that tomorrow will play only vinyl. So they're going to uh, not air any music digitally, which is how everybody's doing it now. They're going to drop a needle on a vinyl record. And they say they'll do that all day for National Record Store Day, which is very cool. Um, and you can get a, a, a lot of your alt-rock acts. They're putting out vinyl, so it's available. So these college radio stations that play that, they will not have to struggle or go retro to play vinyl. The, the vinyl is there. I um, I get questions all the time. I don't know how many years, Don, do you even know how many years it's been? I don't even how it's how many years it's been since we did final vinyl Yeah, I was just, a, I was show. just, just about to say we ought to do final vinyl think, instead of yeah, uh, we the can't. today. <laughs> We can't. I, I will tell you. I'll tell you a little inside radio. Of all the things I've ever done here, management hated Final Vinyl more than any of them. They hated it. Hated it. I'm lucky I got away with it as long as I did. But they finally came and they said, "No, it's got to stop." And to be honest, I'm not putting this all on them. We would have had to stop it anyway, because if you if you're new to our show, we had a contest we did every Friday, where we would. Uh, I would bring in vinyl records from my own collection. We had a turntable in the old studio, the old KTSA studio, and I would uh, we would play them um, these songs that had been hits in their day, but weren't being played on the radio anymore. So it was kind of a combination of vinyl and forgotten, you know, forgotten hits. So they weren't obscure songs. They weren't. They were just songs that had not made it into the the oldies playlist so to speak and we would play it and we'd roll into it and people would call and try to guess the title and artist and we'd keep it rolling until we got a correct uh caller and the reason we would have had to stop it anyway is because with things like soundhound and there's two or three others these apps 
you, all you'd have to do is hold your phone up, and you'd have the title and artist immediately. So there was no more, there was no more guesswork. It wasn't really a contest when people could just have. In fact, I think that's kind of killed a lot of radio contests. You know, we used to, if you think about radio, it used to be like trivia questions and stuff. But with search engines, that's you know, it takes a millisecond to get the answer to anything. And with SoundHound, which I use all the time when I'm out somewhere and I hear something over a PA system or in the, you know, health club or whatever, you hear a song, what is that again? You get the answer right away. So that would have, that would have killed Final Vinyl anyway. I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming our, our leaders, but uh, they did not like it. So I was kind of thinking that maybe what's, looking at about what, about 2002, maybe the last time? I don't know. I feel like it was more recent than that. I think it might have been more recent than that, but uh, yeah, we we uh, we did it for a while, and it, yeah, it was fun. And I I wish we could still do it, but again, even if they were okay with it, it would just be too easy for people to immediately get. It, there'd be no there'd be no waiting for a winner. You'd have a winner within a second, as, as fast as people could call on the phone, they'd have the answer. You just and 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 we had some. I remember I looked at my notes one time. We had some that we would have to bring back again weeks later because no one had guessed it. And we played it for like two or three minutes on the air, and no one guessed it. And that would never happen now. So, Nice memories. Tomorrow's National Record Store Day, and maybe keep a good thought for Final Vinyl, too. Yeah, with radio stations, we played records. We, we queued them up. You know, we, we uh, jockeyed the record back and forth uh, to get the needle in the right position so that when we started the song, the record was at full speed, and it wore it. it created a little patch of extra wear that made for a little burst of static right before the song began. I, I don't think we as disc jockeys heard it and it made us crazy. I don't think people listening on the radio probably really noticed it very much. but Or maybe it was just something you were used to. Because, I mean, music just sounded different, right? When you were playing it on vinyl, it just it had a different sound. And, and pops and hiss noises and stuff, that was all part of hearing radio music which then all of a sudden was gone with digital with cds and then digital so um i worked at a radio station where we they were transitioning from vinyl to cds and when you would pull your music for the show you know you'd stack up your music for the hours you'd have some of both which was kept you on your toes but also you really then you could really for about a year that we were doing that you could really hear the difference because you'd go from, you know, maybe a James Taylor song that was on vinyl and then you'd have, you know, some other equally vintage piece of music, but you were playing a CD. And um, it was really weird. But but we were promoting, you know, that we were playing CDs and that was considered a, a plus So. 210-599-5555. We're going to talk restaurants on the dish coming up after six. Get ready to talk about your most recent restaurant discovery or a new restaurant or sing the praises of an old favorite or tell a horror story or whatever it might be. We'll take those calls coming up here after six on KTSA. Uh, the Florida governor has signed the bill to eliminate Disney's self-governing status in central Florida. It actually eliminates several so-called improvement districts the state had handed out over the years. Um, it gives the option for those districts to be reestablished at some point in the future. 
DeSantis saying at the signing ceremony, don't worry, we've thought everything out. Don't let anyone tell you that somehow Disney's going to get a tax cut out of this. They're not. And the services will be provided. Um, You know, what happened here with Disney is that they put to the test a claim that's been made a lot lately, and that is that companies and their executives and their boards of directors have an obligation to do things that are socially meaningful, even if those things are detrimental to the bottom line. But let me tell you something that may sound a little wacky until you think about it. When corporations function the way they're supposed to, when they produce goods and services that people want and make a profit and pay their employees and pay their stockholders, that itself benefits society. That itself is the function of a corporation. So Florida passed an eminently reasonable law that said classroom instruction uh, for children through grade three uh, should not uh, involve uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. That's not age appropriate. You ask people about it and you take the labels, you strip off the parties. Vast majorities of people across the political spectrum agree with that. Many even thought that already was the law. But Disney intervened. Disney got in on the on the fight. And some people will say, and they're saying it today, that DeSantis is just being petty or that he's picked a fight with Disney because he has political ambitions. And he does have political ambitions. But I would just point out that the fight started on the other side. The fight started with people bringing into the classroom things that we as parents never dreamt of or imagined would be in the classroom. And, and and the stuff was there for quite a while before we got wind of it. And we didn't get wind of it because they were open about it or they told us about it. We got wind of it because they got caught. And part of how they got caught was distance learning, but part of it was also more and more parental involvement and and, and scrutiny. And then when you started asking the right questions, you started getting answers that were stunning and shocking. But what is a corporation's responsibility? How does a corporation fit into society? And I would argue that it has a responsibility to its customers, to its employees, to its shareholders. Disney didn't live up to any of those in picking this fight or, t- or picking the side they did. And now they're paying a price for it. And you can say, well, that was petty. But they picked it. You know, it, he, he didn't wake up one morning and go, you know, I think I'll take on Mickey Mouse. Who would do that? Bees and cornbread. Bees and cornbread. Bees and cornbread. Beans and cornbread had a fight. Beans not cornbread out of sight. Beans. Cornbread said, now that's all right. Beans. Meet me on the corner tomorrow night. All right, here we go. Last hour of the last show of the week. 
The Dish. We're talking restaurants. This is where you call in 210-599-5555 about what might be a new restaurant. You just went there and it's it's new or sometimes it's not new new but it's new to you. You've you've just discovered it and you're telling us about it or it could be an old favorite. You're singing the praises of an old favorite and you can call in and you can talk about the best thing to order there or how great the service was or the prices. You can praise or zing. Enough is enough. Ya basta. Now, there you go. Praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience at 210-599-5555. In and around San Antonio, any kind of food, any kind of restaurant, fancy linen tablecloth, fast food, drive through whatever, breakfast, lunch, dinner. 210-599-5555. Make the call on the dish, and along the way, we'll get together the remaining votes in today's Stevens Roofing JR poll. We'll have the results on that coming up at the end of this hour. And we'll also remember an iconic song that was recorded on this day 50 years ago. That's coming up. All right, we're going to start on the dish with Clint at 210-599-5555 in KTSA. Hi, Clint. Hi, how you doing, Jet? I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, when I asked the gentleman on the phone, it's not in San Antonio, but one of our favorite restaurants is Scuttlebutts in Corpus Christi. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they've got a really good... Uh, we like to enjoy a happy hour with um, the sushi rolls and things like that. And they got a ton of beer on tap, so we like to go down and I think it's like from... Two to seven or four to seven, and just mm-hmm. sit out at the bar and enjoy the happy hour for a while. What is your uh, favorite thing to eat there? Oh, geez, I can't even remember all the names because we only get down a, once or twice a year. But it's the sushi rolls. Um, they've got a bunch of really good ones. I, I couldn't tell you the name. They've got like I don't know, like Tijuana roll and just all all kinds. That's the thing about sushi rolls, right? Like, you know, places use different names, but sometimes it's the same roll, but it's got one name at one place and another. Yeah. Yeah. We need, we need like a government agency to like set down the rules, say these are the names, you know? No, we 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 don't don't. need any more government. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was waiting for you. I set you up on that one, didn't I? Yeah. No, you do, you do a good job. We don't need that. But no, I, I hear you though, and I uh, I've been there. I I know I've been there, and I'm I can see it in my mind. I don't know what I've eaten there, but I know I've been there. There's not that many really good places in Corpus, so if you go to Corpus yeah. a lot, you've been to all of them. Yeah, we try to hit we try to hit scuttlebutts each trip down there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't want to take all the time, but I also had a, a really bad experience at another restaurant in South Padre. Can I share that? Sure. Uh, I believe it was called Captain Roy's, and we were on summer vacation for the week with a bunch of family, like my parents, brother, cousins, and we're all sharing a big table. And, uh, while waiting for the food, I, I just couldn't help but notice looking up that the, the whole entire ceiling and all the decorations had like an inch thick layer of dust. And, uh, I, I couldn't help but wonder what was going on behind the, you know, the, the counter at the kitchen Yeah, yeah. and the food arrived and man, I swear, a little roach crawled out from my plate <laughs> and all around my food and stuff. And I'm looking down like, oh, what do I do? Yeah. And I didn't want, I didn't want to like freak anybody out, so I just quietly 
took care of the problem, and I didn't tell yeah. anybody till after the meal. <laughs> well, that was a good. You were you did the right thing. You did the right thing, but that does kind of that definitely cuts into your appetite. Oh yeah, yeah. It was, it was hard to eat after that. But yeah, you're, just, you're not you're not going to polish off a plate after you've seen that. All right, well, we'll call that a zing, but more importantly, praise for Scuttlebutts. It's a, it is a good place. Clint is right about this. Scuttlebutts Seafood Bar and Grill. It's 14254 South Padre Island Drive in Corpus. Yes. 210-599-5555. You can praise or zing. We don't, we don't usually go that far, but we can. You know, usually more like, you know, let's say within an hour or so in any direction, but okay. Uh, we're talking restaurants. Again, you can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. Maybe where you had lunch today or you're coming back from dinner, an early dinner right now, or maybe it was earlier in this week. Uh, let's talk about it. 210-599-5555. Speaking of anniversaries, uh, Queen Elizabeth marking her 70th year on the throne this year. This is her 70th year as Queen of England. On the throne? On the throne, yes. Not that throne. And uh, it says here that Mattel is honoring her with a Barbie. I don't... You know, that would not have occurred to me. That would not have occurred... That doesn't sound like an honor if you're Queen Elizabeth. You know, um, this is... This is uh, what they announced, a $75 Platinum Jubilee Queen Elizabeth Barbie wearing an ivory and blue gown adorned with uh, her decorations and a uh, set of matching accessories. Um, you know what they should give you for, uh, for $70, $75? Shouldn't just get Queen Elizabeth. She should get uh, Harry and Meghan dolls, and then when you get home, you can just throw them away. So. <sighs> Sorry, two. It just I don't know a Barbie doll for Queen Elizabeth. Really, you know, two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. That's like saying I'm getting a tattoo to honor her seventieth year. We're talking restaurants on the dish. Your calls. It says here that uh, we're going to get a restaurant, or we we have a restaurant that uh, has now opened on Broadway called the Beignet Stand. And it's located next to Taco Garage on Broadway. 8343 Broadway. I was reading about this at uh, MySA.com. It has uh, drive through and walk-up service. They have some patio seating. They have beignets, which are those, you know, little donut-like things. And um, coffee and some other things. They have some fried chicken and some burgers and they had a they had a food truck which they still have but now they're open at this fixed location uh 7 to 2 Wednesday Thursday and Friday 8343 Broadway if you like beignets which I do so I will try that out let's talk to Johnny on the dish at 210-599-5555 in KTSA hi Johnny happy Friday Hey, happy Friday to you. Well, I was going to tell you, I've never given a $50 tip until the, the other day. Wow. I um, took my wife. We went to have di- uh, lunch at Ding Hao. And oh, I, yeah. that's been a restaurant that's been here quite a while. And mm-hmm. I went there when uh, right before I left to the Army. And, and I came back. Of course, I'd been back and I've retired. And we haven't been there. So we went there. 
boy, service was great. They had a long, I mean, it was hard to find parking. So we found parking. We went there. We thought the line was long. It was. We were seated right away. Within five minutes, we were seated. And, uh, and that's that the, they had a line. And not only that, but as soon as we sat down, the uh, waiter put uh, the iced teas on our table. And, like, uh, it was preordained. Mm-hmm. So they put the iced teas there and says it comes with a lunch special. And, uh, the, yeah, the lunch special is great. We sat there. Uh, we ordered some uh, egg drop soup. That was as soon as we placed our order, within a minute, he had our egg drop soup there. And we had already placed our order. Before we even finished our egg drop soup, we already had, uh, I already, I ordered uh, beef and broccoli for the special of the day. And my or- my wife ordered the uh, was sweet and sour pork with that special. And it was awesome. It was hot. Mm. It uh, The meat was not undercooked. The broccoli was well cooked and it was hot and steamed uh, i don't see how they did it but their uh, restaurant was packed and everything i mean the service was great yeah well and especially nowadays when so many places are short-handed and they're making excuses that's even more impressive yeah. right yeah so i i did not i told my wife you know it's the first time i'm going to give them give a 50 dollars hit it was more than wow. our meal but it was yeah to me it was well worth it good for you now I have to ask you. You said you was the, that was the place you went right before you deployed, right? Correct. When was yeah, that? I, what year was that? I deployed to I well, I went to Desert Shield, Desert Storm. I went to Iraq and Afghanistan. I got okay. hurt in Afghanistan. I got I got injured in Afghanistan. I got shot in the back. I was in launch stool for a month on, in a coma, and I lost fifteen years of my memory. So I've, wow. I've had I've had a rough time. So of course I don't remember nine eleven. I don't remember uh, what I got trained for in the military. So I, it took me twenty two months to learn how to walk again. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know I'm here. I have all my fingers, all my toes. I'm I'm driving. I'm I haven't worked since two thousand thirteen, and I just started working two months ago. So um, when you ask me when was that, well I know it was yeah. Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Right. Yeah. God bless you. That you have made my you've made my week. I, I'm I'm just so glad you called. I'm so glad you had a good experience at Ding Hao, But I'm just honored that you're even listening to this show and that you took the time to call always, us. I always listen to you guys. I mean, you guys have the a station that I grew up with, and I've learned so much. I I learned listening to uh, Dave Ramsey. I've mm-hmm. learned listening. Uh, uh, Back when, uh, what is that old man's name that used to be there? I just can't think. My, I've had uh, what's called long, co- long COVID, yeah. so yeah. I get a little brainy. Well, the, 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 there's a lot of us old men, so I don't. I'm not. I don't. I don't even want to go there. I don't want to. I don't want to start guessing names in case I insult anybody. But no, no, no. It was. Uh, I guess his son still works there. Oh, Trey Ware and Ricky Ware. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Ricky. Oh, Ricky, because yeah. my dad. Ricky Ware. It's awesome. So you know, I I I love your station. My uh, I have a vehicle that has FM, but it's always on AM. Listening to you guys. Thank you, thank you, Johnny. Well, I'm glad you had a, I'm glad you had a good experience at Ding Hao, and just call anytime. It's good to talk to you. You guys have a blessed day. Thanks. You as Bye. well. Thank you for your call. Thank you for your service. Thank you for being with us. 
And uh, I don't know what to say about that. Um, I won't make anybody immediately follow Johnny because you don't want to do that, right? Uh, but we thank him and praise for Ding Howe, 4531 Northwest Loop 410. We'll get back to your uh, calls on the dish. Uh, 210-599-5555. Jack on KTSA. It's the dish on a Friday night. This hour of the show all about restaurants, your most recent restaurant experience. And you can praise or zing. Uh, anything about the food, the price, the service, what have you. Eunice is on KTSA. Eunice, good evening. Happy Friday. Hey, good evening. Calling in to praise Sabores Calibaja of Babcock Road. Hmm. I, I don't know that one. Tell me about that. No? Okay. Well, this one, it's Sabores Calibaja. That's what the name of the um, restaurant. It's off of Babcock and Wurzbach. And it is a um, Mexican restaurant. They have fish bowls, chicken bowls, big burritos. Prices are very good, but it's their fish tacos. Fish tacos, shrimp tacos, very, very good. Their salsa that they put on the tacos is very delicious. Hmm. It is definitely a must-try. Everybody that I've recommended to go there asks, where is this place at? So it is very good. You have to try it if you have not been yet. Wow. Um, so it's, it looks like it's 2414 Babcock. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Is it a big place or a small place, or what's it like? No, it's a, it's a small place. It's like right next to a uh, subway, uh, and it's just in like a little shopping center. And uh, But no, it's, it's, it's small, but it's really good. I think it's open every day, 11 to 8. And um, best thing you say, the best thing to get there might be the fish tacos, you think? Yeah, not might. They are. They are. <laughs> okay, gotta, no doubt about it. You get the fish tacos there. No doubt about yeah. it. They make them well. There's nothing that I have tried there that has disappointed me. I've had the asada fries. I've had their bowls. I've had their mm-hmm. uh, burritos. And I've had their fish tacos. And that's what I like the best from there. All right. That's it. I'm going. You you sold me because yeah. I love fish tacos need, and I love them when they're right. Hey, I need you to make sure that you announce it because I listen every Friday that you went and that you I liked will. it. I will. You got it. You got a deal, Eunice. All, All right. right, I'll tell you when I go. Thank Friday. you. Thank you. Have a good All weekend right. and thanks for the call. Yeah. Praise for Saboris Kali Baja. I love the way she said it. I'll never be able to say it the way she did. She made it sound. It's just like rolled off the tongue, right? Uh, Twenty four fourteen Babcock. Uh, seven days a week, and got to have the fish taco first. Then you can go back and try the other things. All right, 210-599-5555. Uh, praise or zing, your most recent restaurant experience on the dish. So um, we were talking about the NBA playoffs and um, all the records that were set in that uh, Grizzlies comeback. But there's another another story tonight that this is a little bit sad. I was I was sorry to hear this. Uh, a legendary NHL player has died, Guy Lafleur. If you're a hockey fan, you know that name. Probably outside of hockey, maybe not a household sports name. But I grew up in the Northeast. We watched a lot of hockey. We were diehard Bruins fans. The rivalry for the Bruins was the Canadiens, and Guy Lafleur was Mr. Montreal Canadiens for the 70s into the 80s. I think he played into the 80s. Uh, five Stanley Cup championships. Uh, numerous uh, scoring titles and other records, and uh, I think I think he still has to this day 
some of the team records uh, for the uh, Canadiens. He has uh, he's in the NHL Hall of Fame and um, just did it all. When we were kids and we were watching Bruins games on the television, uh, if they were playing the Canadiens, they were probably going to lose. <laughs> and Guy Lafleur was probably going to break your heart. And we kind of we kind of hated him because I don't know if you ever watched him play, but he uh, this was before the guys all wore helmets, and he had kind of this longish hair, and it just seemed like his hair was mocking us. You know, he'd he'd score this beautiful acrobatic goal, you know, he'd just like flip it in there one handed, and then he'd do that kind of you know how hockey players after they score they kind of do that little victory half lap around the net and. You know, they're pumping their fists, and the guys are congratulating them, and he had that hair, and you're like, damn it. He probably speaks flawless French. Damn it. But he was 70, and much respect to Guy Lafleur. 210-599-5555. We're talking restaurants on the dish. We're talking about food, price, service, who gets it right. I mean, Johnny was so enthused about the service at Ding Howe, he left them a $50 tip. Maybe you haven't left a $50 tip, but has anybody made you feel like, oh, my gosh, this place has it going on. They know what they're doing. They've got it down to a T. You should call and tell us about them because when you tell us, you're telling a lot of other people. And I, I think you might even put more than $50 in their pocket if you if you praise it on the dish. KTSA News Time 637. This half hour, the results on our poll question Should the GOP House Speaker be Kevin McCarthy? More of your calls on the dish. You can praise or zing your most recent restaurant experience. And an iconic song is 50 years old. We'll tell you what it is. Uh, Janice is on the dish on KTSA on a Friday night. Happy Friday, Janice. The same to you, Jack. Well, I was calling about Pinkerton's, the new barbecue restaurant that's downtown across the park from the Frost Bank Tower. Yes. It was very nice. Uh, went about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so we didn't hit the lunch crowd too much. It's uh, very large, very well laid out. We got in line, got our tray, ordered our sides separate, and we got... Um, the potato salad, which was a little more mustardy tinted than I'm used to, and then the beans, and both of the sides, to be honest, I wasn't that impressed with them. I mean, they were okay. There was nothing wrong, but it wasn't anything I'd write home about. Uh, the meat that we got, we had half a link of sausage, which was $8, and it was very, very tasty. Uh, and then my friend got uh, a beef rib, which was huge. I mean, the bone itself was probably about 10 inches long. but And the meat on it was probably about two or three inches thick. I mean, it was huge. Mm-hmm. And it just fell right off the bone. In fact, he was going to take the bone home to his dog, but there wasn't going to be anything for the dog to do to the bone except <laughs> lick it. So I'm okay. pretty sure his dog was, was pretty upset. Yeah, it's not and a good deal for the I dog. Had, uh, 
a couple of slices of the brisket, and that was very, very tasty. And they have sauce on the table, and I thought the sauce was excellent. Mm. I'm a sauce person. But there was no sauce on the meat. The meat was basically, I think, just a rub and then barbecue. Yeah. So you, the thing that people were saying about Pinkerton's when we've had other calls is that they thought it was kind of more it, like the place looked better than the food. How would you comment on that? Yeah, I went because there had been so much hype about it and supposed mm-hmm. to be so good and all that kind of thing. But to be quite honest, now this was, I was taking my friend out for a birthday lunch and I told him money is no object. And, uh, and he likes meat, so that's why we went to Pinkerton's. Yeah. Yeah. And the bill was $64 and that was for uh, a medium side. I'm not talking about an individual side. We got like a mm-hmm. family side. Mm-hmm. For the potato salad, the beans, uh, there was white bread available if you wanted that. Uh, the meat was $30 a pound, except for the sausage. Like I say, it was $8 for the half link and then two teas. Yeah. So hmm. that was pretty pricey, yeah. but the inside is very nice. It's very clean. Uh, the people are super nice. The guy, when you get up to him cutting the meat, you know, very helpful and um, you know, I don't, I guess I don't have anything to complain about except right, right. for, like you say, it looked nicer than you're just expecting so much because of the hype about it. Right, right. And the meat was good, but frankly, I would have been more impressed if they'd had like some Bill Miller's potato salad. And well, and you know, for me, beans. a barbecue place doesn't need to be showy or not. It just need, the food needs to be where it's at. And I, it can be a hole in the wall. You can sit at a, you know, wooden picnic table with initials carved into it. It just has to be, and 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 it shouldn't be sixty four dollars for two people to have lunch, right? Yeah, well, but when the meat's thirty dollars a pound, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just a cheapskate, but I don't know. But I'm glad you had no, a good experience, I'm... and and I think your friend is lucky that you said money is no object. That's a tr- that's a true friend right there. Yeah, I mean, if he had said, "I want to go to." Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I was willing to take him. So, yeah. Well, now he you knows know, that. That's what he's going to year. So that's what he's going <laughs> to say next year. Now that he knows that, Janice. All right, Janice. Thank you. Good to hear from you. I haven't talked to you in a while. I'm glad you called and praise for Pinkerton's Barbecue 107 West Houston. We've had a praise and a zing in the past on this one, and and really no one has ever. No one's really zinged the food head-on. It's more like, well, I thought it would be better for the price. or uh, It's just it's the opposite of most barbecue places where it's all food and very little atmosphere, ton of atmosphere, and uh, very kind of showy dining space at Pinkerton's downtown. Enough is enough. (laughs) That's for the um, color of the salad. That was the color of the potato salad. It was too mustardy. 210-599-5555. Well, we were talking about Gila Fleur. i got to tell you this story because this is weird. The the Detroit Red Wings of the National Hockey League uh, fired their Zamboni driver. Now, the Zamboni machine is that machine that goes around between uh, periods in a hockey game and kind of, you know, redoes the ice, right? That little slow-moving thing kind of looks like an airport tug. Goes back and forth, does the ice, and 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 the Zamboni drivers have put a little panache into that over the years. Some of them do a 
different little tricks or wave the team flag or do a design or whatever. So, so this, this man worked as the Zamboni driver. Al Sabatka is his name. He got fired. And uh, he was fired because, according to the Detroit Free Press, uh, on February 2nd, he was standing between two parked Zamboni machines and was urinating into a floor drain. And someone saw him. And uh, the team fired him. I guess, I guess you're not supposed to do that. He is suing them for age and disability discrimination. He says he has a prostate condition that made it necessary for him to, you know, when when it was time to go, it was time to go, you know. So that's what's going on. He says he's embarrassed, but he hopes the Red Wings will offer him his job back. The fans are rallying to him. The fans want Al back on the Zamboni machine. Doesn't seem like a job where you could get fired, but I guess any job is... There's always something you could do. I wouldn't have thought. Zamboni driver, I would have thought, that's a, that's probably a safe job. they got to have it. Somebody's got to do it. I don't think they have like automated ones like Roombas. Maybe they do now, but most teams have a guy driving the machine. So, In the meantime, maybe he'll just drive his own car very slowly in a racetrack. I don't know. That's not nice. Sorry I said that now. 210-599-5555. Praise or zing. Your most recent restaurant experience on the dish i should mention by the way uh i don't think i have mentioned it yet today that um on monday not only will i be here in the afternoon but i'll also be in for sean rima between 9 and 11 i'm not sure what we'll be doing yet who knows what will happen in the world i don't want to make any promises but whatever's going on we'll be talking about it solving it not solving it arguing agreeing but I'll be in for Sean 9 to 11 on Monday and then back in the afternoon at 4 on KTSA. Thank God it's Okay, so I'm going to quickly read Brown Bear, Brown Bear, so you're all not soaking wet. And they're not going to let me read it all. <laughs> I'll let you, here, you can start us off. Can you? Oh, here. Can I read backwards? Brown bear, brown bear. What do you see? That's the candy man. This is the day in 1972 that Sammy Davis Jr. recorded. The Candyman. And I'm going to tell you about that coming up here on 550 and 1071 KTSA. But first, the results on tonight's Stevens Roofing JR poll. The question across all our platforms should the GOP House Speaker be Kevin McCarthy when they, uh, if they win the uh, House, control of the House in 2022? Uh, and he would be the, he would go from being the minority leader to the Speaker. Uh, tonight, 87% said no to Kevin. Kevin! Thirteen percent said yes to Kevin. Um, Kevin needs to watch what he's saying and who's listening when he's talking. Anyway, new JR poll come Monday at four anytime at KTSA dot com. Thanks to everybody that called and voted in the JR poll. 
I've always been fascinated by the backstories of songs and albums and artists that we all know. It's possible to hear a song, you know, many, many times in your life, a, a big hit or a longtime favorite, and, and never really know, wh- you know, how it came to be or, or the stories behind it. I have found over the years working in music radio that if you look behind just about any hit, there is some kind of story, either with the recording of it, the writing of it, the decision to include it on an album, what went on in the studio. Um, we often associate a song with one person who sang it. We know other people did, but we assume that it was written for that person, and usually that's not the case. A lot of times uh, an artist will have a hit with a song that that was not written for him or them and uh, kind of fascinating to, to find out about. So um, I've always liked The Candyman. It, it, the song comes from the original... 1971 movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, and the lyrics were written by uh, a great Broadway singer, songwriter, composer named Anthony Newley. And it was written for the movie. And when they wrote it for the movie, um, it was performed by the guy in the movie who owns the candy store. And it was an actor named Aubrey Woods. He sings it in the movie, if you've ever seen the movie starring... Uh, you know, the very famous uh, original version of Willy Wonka starring Gene Wilder. Uh, Anthony Newley was horrified by the way uh, Aubrey Woods sings it in the movie. He went to the uh, producers, and he, he talked about this years later in interviews. He went to the producers and said, please, uh, let me sing it. And they were like, no, no, we've got this guy under contract. And he said, well, can, I, can you dub me over him? And apparently, the actor had specifically written into his contract that he would not be overdubbed. So Anthony Newley is grinding his teeth and gritting his teeth over this guy singing his his song, and he records it anyway and puts it on an album of his own. So it was a very successful song for him, but he never enjoyed the version of it that was in the movie, and this is how it sounded when Anthony Newley sang it on one of his own albums. Who can take a rainbow, wrap it in a side, soak it in the sun to make the strawberry lemon pie, the candy man, the candy man can, the candy man can, cause he mixes it with love and makes the So the movie comes out in 71, it's got a version that Anthony Newley doesn't like, Anthony Newley puts out an album in 1971 on MGM Records with that version. And then um, somebody presents it to Sammy Davis Jr., who's working on an album, and they pitch it to him. And I'm telling you, if I had a nickel for every time I've heard this kind of a story, he hated it. He didn't want to do it. And they had to twist his arm to record it. Uh, He put it on his album, Sammy Davis Jr., now, and even though he disliked it, he thought it was too saccharine, it became his only number one pop hit, his biggest hit by far, song many people still associate with him. And we're going to listen to it on the way out tonight. It was recorded 50 years ago today. Here he is, Sammy Davis Jr. Candyman. Hey, Candyman. All right, everybody, gather around. The Candyman is here. 